0: Biden and he has all my prayers and all my hopes. Gets those 200 million vaccines out, you know, by the end of the summer, and they're able to achieve that plan. I mean, you're going to watch a recovery happen that is much, much quicker than people are anticipating.
1: So, the question is this. How do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchasteghi, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, it is now the end of January. I'm coming back on with Ari Rastegar. So back in end of end of I think it was October. You know, right before the election, we came on and we talked about you know predictions of what'll happen in the world if Biden's elected or what'll happen in the world if Trump's elected. And even though it's only been a few months, it feels like the world is starting to change. We're starting to see some really quick kind of transitions. And we wanted to come on just chat about some some 2021 predictions and what we're seeing. You know, Ari, thanks for coming back on the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I surely, you know, surely don't have a have a crystal ball, and I think this pandemic has taught us to to stress test our analyses even even more for absolutely expected. Yeah. But I agree with you. This is um, looks like there's a lot of positive things on the horizon, no doubt.
1: Yeah, a lot of stuff is changing really, really quick. And yeah, all we can like the funny thing is like predictions change all the time. In mid de- mid December, I'm you know I'm telling people on here, well, uh, Biden got elected, but the the House didn't change hands, so we'll probably see a lot of a lot of the same. And then a few weeks later, that actually changed. And so it's like, well, now I got to eat those words a little bit. So we keep trying to come up with good info. One of the reasons I wanted to have you back on is like every other day right now in the Austin Business Journal and you know, all the, the local Austin papers. They're talking about developments that you guys are doing, new stuff you're buying. And one in particular I thought was pretty cool was about kind of the new way that some of your developments are are changing because of COVID. And I thought that would be kind of some fun ways to start with the predictions. So in one of your projects, it, it kind of said like everything had kind of changed on the future of design with like parking, elevators, things like that. Talk about that for a second. And how long ago did you guys start making those changes?
0: Yeah, so... Look, the one project that we have in Austin that we've really, really got granular into this is an office project at East 8th at I-35. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there was a, a rendering given in the Statesman, you know, recently And our head architect, in-house architect, Hunter Floyd, you know, really started to draw that building at the beginning of the pandemic. And so we started to really think from inception for the first time, you know, what will be the future of design? Like how will this pandemic shape how we work, how we get to work, you know, how we stay in our offices, you know, how residential towers will change, et cetera. And so this building, you know, has staircases on the outside. Mind you, it's a smaller building. It's only about 30,000 feet, but the HEPA filters that we're putting inside of it have UV lights you know the the open spaces, the windows actually open that actually creates airflow, which is very unique for office buildings. It sounds, mm-hmm. and we think of our you know windows opening in our houses as a no brainer, but most office buildings the windows don't open. And so, thinking about those types of things and knowing that we have to take safety and wellness to a whole nother level, right? And we have a building in Dallas, the a twenty six story high rise that. Um, that we designed that was going to have the that will have the largest living wall ever built in North America. But once we kind of saw this pandemic happen, we saw oh my gosh, like we have to rethink the sizes of the elevators. What's the you know what's the entrances? What do the exits look like? Where are we going to put the filters? The size of the lobby? Like you really have to think very very differently about this pandemic and expecting you know something like this could happen again. And if it happens again, or how do you prevent it? And really putting safety and wellness of your tenants at the, at the very top of the totem pole. Whereas before, I don't think developers thought about that as much. It wasn't something that really was at the forefront of everybody's thought process, but East 8th is a testament to, you know, what a post COVID development will be having all of those kind of all those mechanisms. So it's, it's pretty exciting, you know, looking at the silver lining of looking what the innovation that it's bringing because, you know, to have those types of HEPA filters with UV lighting, you know, viruses it kills ninety nine point nine percent of viruses and bacteria, from what they say. So, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty cool thing. Even aside from COVID, even if someone next to you is the is has a cold or has a flu or touching surfaces, to have that type of um, of safety and wellness is is, is pretty cool. Is a pretty cool thing.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like all the all those amenities are whether COVID had happened or not it's there are neat amenities that people would put a value on. I think they're putting up, they'd put a higher value on it now, right? Like the open windows and offices, you're, you're totally right. Being able to go, hey, get some fresh air when you're a few stories up for a second, like who knew how much that would be a value. Right. No,
0: it, it, It's unfathomable. I mean, this is this whole pandemic, you know, certainly for us is operated in an area of like, not knowing you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> like it, yeah. it's, so far in the in the blind side but it has created enormous opportunity i mean as you mentioned i mean We've been very active buyers throughout this entire pandemic, seeing really deep value. And I really believe, you know, people are going to come back to the office. I mean, Jamie Dimon, CEO, of JP Morgan was talking about how productivity really has plummeted in a lot of ways since people have been working at home. And, you know, I know that you're the father of four, I'm the father of three and managing the, you know, the Zoom meetings and the school and, you know, our, you know, our eight-year-old is, you know, back in, back in school, but it's been a... A very difficult, difficult time. But us as humans, like we're very tribal beings, like working together, breaking bread together, the brainstorming, whiteboarding. So I'm very much of the belief that you know that office is going to have a major, major recovery um, because people want to be at work. They want to be back in that setting. They don't want to be sitting be sitting at home. And I think people really have Zoom fatigue. I mean, even the CEO of Zoom the other day said he's sick <laughs> of Zoom. <I> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I was like, you just paid, you know, however many billions of dollars and you're sick of Zoom meetings. I know I certainly, you know, I'm, you know, I'm grateful that we have that technology to bring us together. But I love the human inter- interaction and just being, you know, being in front of people, talking with them and being able to share those exchanges.
1: Yeah. It's like a zoom is almost as good and it was, but almost only goes so far. And so like right now, I'm sure you're having to travel a bunch for a lot of the different things that you're working on because just seeing somebody in person, you know, just is a little bit different. And I think it's, it's easier to sit with somebody for three hours. I went and met with some, went with some guys yesterday. It was easier to sit with them for three hours, you know, spread out around a table than it is to have a three hour zoom call. I mean, man, I'm going to the chiropractor way more often right now because a three hour Zoom call is totally going to change it. You know, one of the one of the things the articles talked about was like going in an elevator and not even having to use your hands to like pick a floor anymore. Do you think that technology, what is that technology and stuff like that is going to keep getting crazier and crazier?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, look at Siri as an example. So my five year old, I mean, it is believable how good he is with using voice like for YouTube for uh for texting, for emailing. I mean he just you I mean he utilizes this the voice mechanisms that are in, in you know, all our devices and we have the Alexa's and you know the Apple Apple devices and those things. And I guess he really taught me how advanced it is. Like he mm-hmm. sends me, you know, he does he can't read, yet he writes me full text messages. Like yeah. it, Like you hear him, like writing or searching for songs that he likes or you know, videos that he likes on YouTube, and it's no different when you talk about entering like an elevator because you can use voice. Where do you want to go? Where would you like to go, sir? Floor three, and then and so it's actually a very, I mean, the technology is actually very basic, it's sitting in every one of your smartphones, absolutely. So, so yes, it's but so pushing a button, and again, until like it's innovation real innovation has comes from necessity right so when you go back to like world war ii and you look at all the calamity and the you know horrific stuff of world war ii you know and put that aside for a moment the innovation that came out of that era we're using we're still using so much of that technology because we had no choice
1: yeah
0: and so when you look at the stuff of me telling an elevator floor two that's so rudimentary i can have a full conversation with alexa
1: yeah Well, I guess all that was in every futuristic movie that was supposed to happen 10, 20 years from now. Nobody was touching anything anyway. We don't turn light switches on or off at our house. By the way,
0: that was Star Trek. I mean, just for a second, I mean, we're, you know, we're a little bit older than maybe some of the listeners. But, I mean, this is like beam me up Scotty stuff, like literally walking up to the door. They know it's you. I mean, and so I think the future, a lot of these office buildings is that facial recognition of, you know, tenants, if you're on floor 12 or something, you walk up to that elevator instead of having a key card. And I mean, it's just archaic even to have like this wallet with all these credit cards when you have your Apple pay or you have your key swipe to be able to get into a building or it should know who I am. Like I walk up, sees my face, it knows what, you know, you're going to floor three. And, you know, so there's a lot of these predictive mechanisms that are going to come in that are going to eliminate a lot of um, a lot of the touching, which just seems like touching a button in an elevator. It's
1: like, why would I do
0: that? Like, wouldn't I just tell it
1: where I want to go? Yeah. That is super interesting when you put it like that, because yes, the technology has been here. It's been like that for a while now, and especially in <laughs> smart way. homes.
0: It's, it's like, I mean, it's commonplace technology. So it's just a matter of utilizing What we already have in one industry and we've seen this over time in other disruptive industries like you have one piece of technology disrupting e-commerce then you go and use that in something like real estate that you know still you know some of real estate still operates you know from the 1800s it feels like but how are we going to repurpose that existing technology for for something like real estate so it's not new it's just being used in a place that hasn't been used
1: yeah that's where innovation happens. So much innovation has happened this year. So kind of different, different storyline right now is there's a lot of a lot of hotels are getting foreclosed on and sold right now. Like they've had just a, a horrible year. But over the last couple of months, a lot of cities have been buying up hotels to turn into low income housing or housing for homeless. And and I put a thing on my Instagram yesterday, and I had so many listeners sent. It was an article in Austin of the city bought two hotels and everybody all over the U.S. sent me the same article from their city, right? So it's happening everywhere and kind of some redevelopment type stuff. You guys have done a lot of multifamily redevelopment. Have you looked at all at what it would be like to buy a hotel and convert it to low-income housing? Do you think there's going to be more of that? Is there money to be made in that? Yeah, well, look,
0: I, I certainly, you know, I like what the cities are doing in that regard. And, you know, we're very, very cognizant of that, you know, of affordable housing and those things from a From a living standpoint, you know, some of the, obviously the typical hotels is is very small. Okay. Mm -hmm. So having a full service kitchen, but, you know, converting an extended stay type hotel, um, into multifamily has been done several times, really, really effectively. Um, but typical hotels, you know, the, the the footprint of a one single unit is really small, so you'd have to knock out the doors and combine some units. You have to add kitchens. So there's definitely a way to do it, and. And I've looked at a few deals like it before, but it can be pretty expensive if it's not one of those extended stay, you know, type situations. Because when you have the, you know, the the plumbing that goes in and the like, there's a lot more that really goes into it. So I think the ways that the cities are using it uh, make a lot of sense. But you know, back to you know, I guess they call it a K shaped recovery, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's a fancy way of saying that you know different asset classes will recover uh, at different speeds. You know, I'm I'm bullish that hotels will, you know, will make a will make a comeback. I mean, again, people, you know, especially in industries where you're client facing, right? If you're, you know, if you're anything in marketing or sales or interfacing with clients, you know, you're going to have to travel. You know, it means airlines are going to come back, means people are going to stay in hotels and I think that hotels are going to make a, you know, a serious resurgence, but again, they're going to have to reinvent you know, how room service works, the cleanliness that goes into the rooms. And I've traveled uh, pretty consistently throughout the pandemic and watching that change has been pretty incredible. It's things as simple as, you know, all the remote controls for TVs are now in little Ziploc bags or these like little, you know, little teeny changes that you never really thought about of these high touch services and, and the amount of, you know, kind of desanitization that exists. Yes. I wash my hands now more than I ever have in my entire life, and it's kind of like I tell my kids, you know, wash your hands, do this, do that. And then I realized, oh my God, like before the pandemic, I feel like I wash my hands like in the shower or maybe another time a day, like gross. Like now I wash my hands six, seven times a day, right? And so you, yeah. you you're becoming aware of these different of these different things. But I think that all, real estate in general, I mean, until they can learn to digitize me, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's Place for a lot of this re- for a lot of this real estate, and I think hotels are gonna um, are definitely gonna have their place and definitely have their comeback, but they'll definitely be on the on the further end out of um, of that recovery. Same with retail; I think retail's really got a you know really got a bad rap. And if you look at Amazon as an example, obviously you know the you know biggest e commerce site in the world, their largest acquisition to date of thirteen point two billion dollars was Whole Foods. Yeah
1: rockstar nation this is aaron amuchistegui with a quick commercial break from our sponsor rent ready and this one is all about maintenance did you know the number one reason that a tenant leaves a rental is lack of response around maintenance with rent ready's brand new 24 7 maintenance service plans you can have your maintenance managed for you it also includes emergency services rent ready the property management app recently added more support for landlords not only can you get hands-off maintenance coordination to troubleshoot your tenants' repairs for you, but you can also streamline your rental property cash flow with increased rental retention rates. With Rent Ready, you can sleep in on the weekends knowing your repairs are handled from start to finish. In addition to making maintenance, you can manage everything else easier too, like collecting rents, listing units, screening tenants, and signing leases, all from the phone in your hand. Get luxury-style maintenance services for your tenants and free weekends for yourself when you sign up for Rent Ready. You know I, I want to add a couple things in here too you know i had interviewed ryan barone the founder of rent ready in episode 939 so if you want to hear more about rent ready and what they've done go check out that episode with ryan and when it comes to maintenance you guys have heard me say i have a ton of rental properties and one of the things i did after owning those for about a year was start to outsource the nighttime calls there's nothing worse than getting a call at 10 or 11 at night saying my air conditioner is not working my heater's not working. And I used to have to go to like 10 different companies to do that. One for my rents, one for my property management, one for the repairs. And it looks like Rent Ready is doing all of that in one package. So for this month only, you can still try Rent Ready for one year and only for $1 when you use our special code ROCKSTAR. Use code ROCKSTAR and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com. Use the code rockstar and you can get rent ready for a whole year for just a buck.
0: So when you're the biggest e-commerce site in the world, you just bought a brick and mortar company. The largest acquisition you ever made was brick and mortar. And so people talk about this retail apocalypse. I'm like, well, pretty sure, you know, millennials and Gen Z like to be out of the house. I'm pretty sure they're looking for new experiences. I'm pretty sure that, you know, they don't want to buy everything online, right? So there's, so again, these things are going to need reinvention and there's going to need innovation. To, those things are going to need to happen. But um, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to a pretty powerful comeback for all those asset classes
1: yeah well and 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 like you said too, be some changing like the hotels that make it to where you can open up a window now like there's certain things that as they adjust they've talked about taking even the you know the the lower end hotels and and they can convert them to uh, to almost like a you know homeless mission because they can have a cafeteria set up because they don't need kitchens in every room i mean that type of thought process is
0: wonderful i mean like I, i really like you know that you know, where, where that, where that comes from. And I think that's a great way to go about doing it. And look, a lot of these hotels, as we mentioned, as you mentioned, were, you know, in foreclosure or just having just a lot of distress, which is, you know, which is kind of a, you know, a tragedy of itself. But if it turns into something like, and there's a silver lining there, where we start having these types of solutions for homelessness and things like that, I think that's a phenomenal way to repurpose that asset. Yeah,
1: you know, the foreclosures for commercial investors is totally tragic. Right. I, I totally like all of the, the retail, the commercial so much, like some stuff had been overbuilt and adjusted, but there are plenty of examples where you go, man, that guy did everything he was supposed to do. And yeah. it was in the wrong city at that time. What's that? Like a lot of this
0: falls on, on normal Americans and their 401ks and people don't look at how far the ra- rabbit hole goes because a lot of those loans are securitized and sold as bonds to retail investors. So if yeah. those start foreclosed on those bonds take a hit, a lot of those bonds are in people's 401ks or they yeah. were talk- are owned by public pension funds or by teachers pension funds. So it's not just, you know, the, you know, the owner operator that's, you know, getting kicked in the teeth, which sure they are and the investors or, you know, that are probably in that project, but it goes further down that rabbit hole when that debt is not paid and that debt gets written off or, you know, that foreclosure happens. Like there's a lot of people that suffer from that. Like the, the, the rabbit hole goes much deeper than, than I think a lot of people are
1: cognizant of. Yeah. You know, we've got so in, when we think of like recovery, you talk about different industries, right? Like the real estate side of like residential, single family, multifamily in in, you know, nine out of 10 cities. That's stronger than it's ever been. Oh, and the stuff
0: outside the urban core, especially in the Sunbelt areas. It's just going gangbusters.
1: crazy. It's crazy as we see it. So then the ones that are going to take a little bit longer, you talked about like, so, you know, commercial office t- style stuff, they're retail, and then kind of that back end is the hospitality or the travel. Like, out, sure. out. Out in Maui, people are not traveling to Maui like they once were. So that's kind of like the whole the whole state out in Hawaii has you know kind of its own thing. So and maybe downtown New York has its own thing. You think retail comes back before hospitality, like hotels, or, or, or about the same time, or any that's idea? A, that's a
0: really difficult question. I, I, lo- I love that question actually. I need to think about it. I think hotels come back first. I mean, I, if I have to, if I had to pick one, but I think they're very connected they're, I mean, it's the, the, they will almost, it'll almost be in tandem, but hotels as a general rule, you know, have to do with travel. Okay. Like people are traveling to this other location and retail as a general rule is, is localized. Is localized in a lot of ways. So depending on what that local government is doing, what that local municipality is doing, look, If Biden, and he has all my prayers and all my hopes, gets those 200 million vaccines out, you know, by the end of the summer, and they're able to achieve that plan, I mean, you're going to watch a recovery happen that is much, much quicker than people are anticipating. I think there is, you have to handicap that statement with the mental trauma that people have gone through, which I think is going to take a lot of time, you know, for people to get comfortable again, not wearing their masks or T- touching hands being in those. T- so you have a whole, you know, microcosm of people that even with the vaccines are still going to have, you know, live in that fear state, but the vast majority of people will get back on the road again. You know, this pent there's so much pent up demand. Like for example, our kids ask us all the time, when are we going to Disneyland? We always go to Disneyland or Disney world once a year. You know, we always, you know, have a little trip and so people have been waiting and waiting so once that vaccine hits i think you are going to see an explosion of travel back to these retail destinations to the disney world the disneylands or you know uh, the beaches the vacations because people are just dying to get out of the house and you know business people are dying to go see their clients and take them out and go to dinners and wanting to have human interaction again so i think it's going to create a big boom once people feel safe again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My kids talk about Disney and Hawaii almost every day. Like, when do we get to go back to Disney? When do we get to do all these different changes? You know, one of the things you talked about last time was kind of the idea that there's going to be less kind of stuff, but the stuff that's left will be awesome. What I mean by that, there's be less restaurants out there succeeding, but the ones left we're going to be these amazing experiences less stores out there but like the hands-on toy store with the cool stores those are the the types of things any anything to add from that or or things that might have adjusted with that over the last three months well
0: i think i think that's that's exactly what it you know that's exactly what it is and that's going to be you know look and some of that is just capitalism right some of these businesses some of these restaurants they shouldn't be there mm-hmm. right i mean they, they just should not be there and they were just kind of hanging along and so that's just business and capitalism in some regard and but then there's some that obviously have done a lot of things right but i think it's putting the onus when you talk about restaurants to have freaking good food <laughs> to have yeah. great service you know to do something a little bit differently and those types of restaurants and um, those types of retail experiences that are truly creating value and really creating some experience that's visceral are going to do remarkably well, I believe. But if it's just going to be your plain old plain Jane, or you know, walking into some whatever restaurants and just pick up a meal for that's just something kind of grab and go, I think that space is going to become hyper competitive, and a lot of those places are not going to come back, and maybe they shouldn't come back, quite yeah. frankly. Um, but yeah. the rest that have great food and stuff will will do great.
1: Yeah, I mean even before covid most businesses fail. Most restaurants fail eventually, right? Like it's there's exactly- by
0: the way, it's like a ridiculous number.
1: Yeah. Like being an entrepreneur, like the, we all, as entrepreneurs, we almost have a sickness, right? And when people say like, that's not for everybody because being able to be okay with the ups and downs or see the challenge and have it be exciting instead of, you know, depressing. But yeah, even before this, 95% of new businesses failed. Maybe that's amplified, you know, some of that. And, um, but I think we get excited for, you know, the new people stepping, the people left stepping up their game you know the the experiences being better as as people get back to them you know one of the last we've only got a few more minutes but another thing that's happening right now there's a there's a, so much talk in uh eviction moratoriums which yes. we are we are starting to see that happen more than it was a few months ago so 6 months ago we were like 100% occupied on 300 units you know 100% collection rate you know only a few people were behind right now we're probably 20 ish people that should be in uh eviction right somebody hasn't paid us in nine months for a two thousand you know dollar a month place and i think that's going to be it looks like right now those eviction moratoriums are going to keep getting extended to like september you know and one of the things the government's doing to offset that is there is stimulus that's going to pay like two-thirds of the back rent. i think it's something like 75 billion in rent is owed right now and there's 50 billion from the stimulus going toward back rent And we're trying to get very avid of like helping residents know like, Hey, we know you're behind the, but here's where to go thought. You have a lot of, you know, property too. You've got a lot of rental properties all over the place. How are you feeling about that? What are you thinking about that? Are you strategically doing anything different? Are you building in more of a, you know, an occupancy factor? Cause what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, that's that's a great question. I I do think that there's a very high likelihood of extending some of those. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, some people are really suffering and, and you know, they're yeah. not able to kind of make those payments and you can tell the difference, you know, when you communicate with them, you can see the person that is communicating back and, you know, maybe lost their job or is going through some sort of struggle or something. And, you know, working with them, working out payment plans, we've been very fortunate that, you know, in the high nineties of our collections have have remained pretty stable mm-hmm. in, in that regard, but, you you can kind of see where some people are kind of gaming the system a little bit, maybe using it a little bit to their advantage. And yeah, I mean, I guess you see that in any industry or in any situation where someone can find some kind of angle. Right. And, you know, we'll let karma kind of deal with those kind of folks and, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out. But I think normality is much closer or the new normal, so to speak, or the new status quo is closer than we think. And so again, going back to these vaccines, what's the huh. excuse going to be if you have 200 billion people va- vaccinated and you know cities have been opened up people are going back to work i don't know what the basis would be to extend that you know that beyond a certain date if we're nearing the end of this right so uh-huh. i'm i'm hopeful that that the biden administration is very successful and what their goals are it's ambitious um, but I like that. I like that level of ambition because it's for the right cause and for the right reasons. But I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you that that eviction moratorium could be extended. And look. Again, I think people, once they feel comfortable or they're able to go back to work, they want to go back to work. And I think that's the vast majority of people. I think people want to be at work. They want to get back to a normal life, but uh, there are going to be some stragglers that, um, you know, game the system as long as as long as they possibly can. But in our experience, it's definitely been the vast minority you know of you know of um of the, on a unit by unit basis that haven't been able to pay completely or you know or tried to uh you know try to hang along you know longer than longer than they're welcome
1: yeah it's it's a great point that actually it's really easy during rough times to see the negative too, like to start to see like oh what's there but remembering yes the vast majority and the vast majority of our residents are doing great Right, and The vast majority of people do want to go back. And, you know, it's just now starting to tick up enough where we're like, we got to start keeping our eye on this a little bit. But maybe that's why they're talking about September, because if by end of summer, they're wanting to have the, you know, everyone wants a vaccination is going to have a vaccination. Well, then, uh, then maybe that timing will get there. So the any it like one last question. And the so parking was like a future design type thing where right now I think commercial and retail are allowing less parking for new developments because they're saying, hey, now buildings are going to be kind of 50% occupied. Like people are going to take turns coming to the office or work, have at home, things like that. Do you think that that's going to catch somebody later? Or do you think that they're like, if worse comes to worse, cities will just build new? Do you think that's a, uh, a really long term, like a 10 to 15 year, we're going to need less parking?
0: Look, I definitely think on the long term, you know, parking requirements will decrease. Yes. Okay. I think it's much longer than people think it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, parking, it, you know, we're a driving culture, especially here in the United States you know, just by nature and having our own cars, having that autonomy to control kind of where we're going, you know, even with the advent of, you know, the Ubers and the Lyfts and the things of that nature, you know, people want to still kind of maintain that level of control. So I don't really see, again, on the very, you know, on the 2030 year, yes, I think parking requirements are going to decrease dramatically, Um, but over the next 10 to 15 years, I don't see, you know, the city certainly really leaning up, you know, lessening those parking requirements to the degree that maybe I don't want to say the degree that they should, because a lot of these parking lots, they don't have as many people in them. Like if you look at the parking requirements in some cities, they're just outrageous. I mean, it's, there's, you look at the parking lots and they're 30%, 40% vacant. So there is a need for parking, but it's a very difficult balancing act. So if you go long-term, yes, the parking is going to decrease, but, you know, these statutes have been long been standing. You know, there's a lot of people on these councils that, you know, don't see, you know, that future coming, certainly maybe not even in their lifetimes. A lot of these individuals are in their boot or baby boomers. And so they're not seeing, you know, that writing on the wall, so um, I'm a little bit a little bit bearish, unfortunately, that those parking requirements are going to change in favor of less parking as much as developers think that they
1: should. Yeah. And developing in Santa Barbara, that was always the toughest part. You'd have this lot and you're like, I could put nine condos on that. And you're like, no, I could put four because of the parking. That's, that- that's insane. Yeah. Even back in January and February, they started to say, well, with self-driving cars and with Uber and stuff like that, cities are going to start requiring some less parking. Maybe the pandemic type stuff allows that shift a little faster, but we will see. But Ari, the uh, I know you've got a busy day. I appreciate you coming on to get to talk Thank about kind of this week's state of the market update. If people want to follow more of kind of your advice or your tips or things you're doing, how should they go find out more?
0: Yeah, they can go to rastigarproperty.com or they can you know follow me on Instagram at @rastegar. It's pretty, pretty pretty easy to find me if uh, if they're if they're looking. But we're definitely going to be very very active in the market uh, for the for the coming years, and you know really see this this pandemic as a huge opportunity. I mean, just unbelievable generational opportunity. And so, yeah, absolutely, it's pretty 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 easy to find me if you're looking.
1: Awesome. All right. Thanks for joining me. Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me, buddy. Talk to you later. All right. Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest Podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchasteghi.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.